Hello and welcome to episode 248 of Retro Encounter, RPG fans occasionally on-topic podcast. I'm your host for today, Peter Treisenberg, um, and joining me today, we have Michael Solosi. Hello, everybody. Uh, Joe Padilla. Yo. And Pete Levitt. Hi. Today, listeners, is a very special day in Retro Encounter history, at least for me personally, because if you've been listening long enough, you know about my love affair with Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, and today we are finally covering that game, a Game Boy Advance classic that spawned um, one of my favorite Mario spinoff series and a companion piece to such games as Paper Mario and Super Mario RPG. Um, and we are playing it now for your enjoyment. So, uh, panelists, uh, what is your history with the Mario RPGs? I'm going to start with you, uh, Pete. So, uh, the first Mario RPG game I played was Paper Mario for the Nintendo 64. I don't know, the, the less glamorous younger brother of A Thousand Year Door. Uh, but it's a, it's a really, really great game, and I, I mostly watched my sister play it we rented it probably in the early 2000s and uh just remember being really taken aback how funny it was and uh the only other game i've played is actually this one which i am uh i started playing a couple years ago and i'm still on that same playthrough uh but similarly just just you know bottomless charm and so much humor um so yeah, these, this is a really, from uh, the, what I'm familiar with, it's a really, really great and fun series. Paper Mario 2 has like a pretty dedicated fandom as well, and it's interesting how the two series complement each other. We might talk about that later. Um, Joe, what about you? What's your history with the Mario RPG? So, a little similar to Pete, actually. I uh, have only played... Um, the original Paper Mario, um, actually when it was on the Wii, uh, the Wii Virtual Console. So I played that one. And if you would have asked me yesterday, if you would have asked me yesterday, that would have been it. But because uh, Paper Mario, the Origami King just came out um, okay, and yeah. I uh, played a bit of that um, uh, yesterday. So I got to see a bit of that because uh, my partner really digs the Paper Mario series. So How, uh, how is Origami King? I like it. I, I like what I've seen. Um, it is really, it's extremely charming. I love the visual design. Um, and it's, yeah, it's got a great sense of humor to it. Yeah, for sure. I, we in no way intended this, listeners. That, that is an actual yeah. pure coincidence. <laughs> um, so, um, Mike, what about you, man? What's your history with the Mario RPGs? Oh, boy. Uh, well, we recorded two episodes on Super Mario RPG for this podcast a few years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and a more general episode on Mario RPGs. I think it was you, me, and, and John Tucker that did that one. So I've at least played that one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my first Mario RPG was the Super Nintendo one. Uh, pretty soon after it came out in 1996, I think uh, I played a lot of it at a sleepover with a friend who was Mario obsessed. So it was his copy of the game, but I eventually played it on my own. I really like that one. Um, I never owned an N64, so I didn't play a Paper Mario game until the uh, Wii era, where I, in the late 2000s, I played Paper Mario and Thousand Year Door back to back and really, really loved both. But, uh, the, um, but those are the only two Paper Mario games I've played. And then you look at the Mario and Luigi subseries because I've always had Nintendo handhelds right around the time they came out I have played um, the first four I played uh, I played Superstar Saga Partners in Time Bowser's Inside Story and Dream Team within a year or two of each of them coming out and my I I think I've mentioned this on podcasts before but my 3DS is a year of Luigi 3DS that came with Dream Team bundled in nice (laughs) so uh, so yeah, that, that's why. So I've played. I, I guess there's counting Origami King. There are twelve Mario RPGs, and uh, I've played seven of them. If my math is right, yeah. And uh, I can't math. Yeah, and uh, and this and I did play um, Superstar Saga around when it came out, maybe a year later or so. Uh, and but I have not played it 
in 15 or 16 years uh so i'm replaying it on the 3ds version which i bought uh bought it over a year ago i think i found it on sale somewhere and it's been sitting in my 3ds game case untouched until uh last week when i started to play this baby yeah so it goes right sometimes you just don't get into those those games on the shelf for a while Oh yeah, I'm I'm terrible about that too. My my Steam library is maybe the worst culprit, but I have a I have a tendency to be to buy something I really want, but not get to it until I'm sort of done with what I'm when I'm playing at the time, and then it just gets it gets kicked down the line. It's I'm I'm horrible about that. I, I my eyes are bigger than my stomach when it comes to buying video games. Oh yep, totally understand that. <laughs> that's a, that's a story of human history ever since about 2004. Let's see when when did Lord Gabin descend from on high and give us steam? <laughs> oh boy, when Half Life Two came out. I wonder what my oldest Steam game that I haven't played is, because I'm sure it's from some embarrassing date like 2005. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that it gives you badges for how many unplayed games you have, and I'm scared. <laughs> oh, no. Does it really? It does. That's yes, great. There is, a, there is a hoarder badge, and I think I have it. <laughs> oh, good times, good times. Um, for, for me personally... Um, uh, Superstar Saga is actually my first Mario RPG, um, so I have a lot of nostalgia for this game. Obviously, listeners who have been listening to the show for a while will remember that my old forum handle and my om- omnipresent Twitter handle is I have Fury after one of the characters in this game, Fawful. Um, I played Superstar Saga pretty much right when it came out. Um, I was in elementary school at the time, and a friend of mine was super into the Mario games, um, and he turned me on to a lot of uh of them the luigi's mansion um this one um the mario party series a lot of a lot of games that i have very fond memories of but i specifically remember superstar saga because we were playing i was playing it on a backlit uh, gba um on a car ride home um from a field trip um, so I played a good chunk of that game, like in the middle, in the in the back seat of someone's car, um, and then um, uh, got a copy of my own later on. And I played the heck out of Superstar Saga back in the day. Um, uh, I think on a re- another really recent episode, I mentioned that I this is one of the few games I've beaten in one sitting um, on the Game Boy Advance. I beat uh, Superstar Saga. I wouldn't call it a speed run, but I cleared it in, a, in about a twelve-hour session. So back when I had much more free time and patience for these sorts of things. Um, I haven't played it in a long time, though. Um, probably, um, honestly, it's probably been at least a decade because um, I don't have a Game Boy Advance anymore or uh, an original DS that can play um, uh, Game Boy Advance games. Um, so it wasn't until the 3DS remake that I got a chance to experience Superstar Saga again. Um, and let me tell you, this game... Um, this this remake ver- uh, what version? I, I should actually ask before we go on to talk about the remake. Um, what version are we all playing? Are we all playing the 3DS port? No, sir. I'm playing on the Game Boy Advance. Ah, uh, wonderful, wonderful. That makes me happy actually because we can compare the two. Um, I'm playing on 3DS. 3DS, good, good, good. I'm also playing on 3DS, but I did fire up uh, my GBA copy and played the first 20 minutes to just to check out differences mm-hmm. yeah for sure i um i i i've I, a lot of this game I, I had has unfortunately slipped through the cracks of my memory so playing it now is very interesting because it's refreshing a lot of that i'm like oh yeah i remember doing this a whole bunch of times um but uh, oh man this new version is so pretty guys like i um this everything just looks so lush and colorful and detailed. Um, yeah, the palette's really good, and um, the, one thing I remember from the GBA version is how expressive that the that the character models looked for being a GBA game, and it looks like that they've preserved the really brilliant color and expressive faces <laughs> of the uh, of the characters. Like I, I even had fun taking 
photos of the bros in the first 10 minutes in the uh, in the 3D version. like 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 it, it it gives the sort of absurdist cartoony visual style it, it establishes that style in the first uh in, in the very beginning of the game that was it was like the memories came flooding back even though it, uh, same similar to you it's been over 10 years since i've played this yeah it's a pixel art masterclass. i mean i'm looking at uh, i'm looking at a scene right now and you know i got luigi here he's like probably 24 pixels high but the way that they just move and the way you know that they animate them all those frames of animation it is and you know i, I got fawful right here too fawful's even smaller but he's got that jetpack that just suction cups to his head <laughs> and his laugh when his teeth pop out you know it's just so much going on with with such little real estate yeah the, the, it has a wonderfully cartoony art style um and and and, and they Game Boy Advance version does a lot with what it had and um, um, some of that a little bit did get lost in transition. I don't know if we'll get around to talking about that right away, but um, uh, for the most part, I think the 3DS port is really solid. But if you're able to play the original, that is also not a bad way to play this game at all. It was it was it, was, uh, it started a franchise for a reason. Uh, but like Mike said, I think we have a um, one really good point that I think is that I think Mike made earlier was. Um, how quickly this game really just kicks off, you know? Um, it doesn't take long at all before, uh, for pretty much right from the opening cutscene, Peach's voice has been stolen um, and replaced with explosives. Quick, go save her. Oh, quick. Oh, no, you, you're on Bowser's airship now. Oh, no, you're have to you're um, have to jump the border and start us fields. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty riotous for an opening. I don't remember laughing out loud like I did when... Peach's speech bubbles just started dropping bombs on everybody. <laughs> it's 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 such a great like it's just such it's such a great play on what's um it's like what on the expression of like dropping dropping a, a bomb. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love it. Her language is so foul; it's literally destructive, which is uh, which is again a very cartoonish concept, but I but totally fits in the context of this world. One thing I notice that I think it's true in both versions uh you get tutorials in this game, but I think all of the tutorials are necessary and reasonable, and don't and don't waste your time too hard. Like, as you, uh, at least in the first half of the game, you're getting new powers or some new complication to gameplay in every new zone, and they basically explain it to you at a reasonable level, and then just throw you back into the game, and it, it never feels like too much because I uh, uh, there's a lot of complaints people make about games holding uh, like being too handholdy or over explaining themselves but every time there's a tutorial and the first tutorial is on that airship about 10 minutes in it's like oh okay now i know how to do this and then you're just you're just let go for the rest of the game and even though i'm i'm probably six or seven tutorials in now where i am uh like i i wish tutorials were all this clean and reasonable and what they managed to do remarkably is they they keep the writing style and the characterizations and the humor, but also like there, I feel like if you do that, there's a possibility you could muddy up the instruction, but they make it very, very clear what you're supposed to do, but it's still in keeping and they break the fourth wall or whatever, but, mm-hmm. uh, in some small ways, but it's in keeping with the characterizations and the world and the humor in a way that, you know, is, is it's not very utilitarian for a, uh, for a tutorial. It's very artistically done, but at the same time, it, it pulls off its actual utilitarian purpose. Um, I, I agree with the, I agree that the, the tutorials are just really seamless um, and uh, it just presents it really simply with it i i didn't get as much out of the um, the opening for it i was just like oh, okay just thrown into another like mario thing and part of that is probably like it's probably the context in which i'm playing it in where i'm like alternating as as mike is as well i'm alternating between this and tactics over and i think sometimes sometimes when i'm playing it i think i have a little bit too much of tactics ogre brain and so and I, I think that changes up my enjoyment a bit a bit um i am also i'm i'm also double fisting tactics ogre and superstar saga and it's, it's a it's a strange tonal change i don't think it's quite as strange as when i was playing mother three and yakuza zero at the same time 
but, uh, but, but, but still a different one. It's, that it's, was it's a dramatic tonal shift. I, I, I mean, I was, I was doing the Mother 3 and Yakuza 0 thing too, and I strangely didn't get that same like sense of whiplash. I don't know why though. Like, I was like, yeah, you, you know, it's like your, um, it's like your peanut butter and jelly. You're like, yeah, you got your Mother 3, you got your Yakuza 0. These things go together, right? And I don't know why my brain is like, oh yes, Mario and Luigi and Tactics Ogre. Those things, those things are deeply juxtaposed. But this Game Boy Advance JRPG about a boy's family and dancing in late 1980s uh, Japan are like, they're like, yeah, that's fine. They go together. I have a question about that, uh, Joe and 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 Michael as well. You can chime in. Um, what do you think of the writing and the characterizations and the prose in Tactics Ogre? Right. I I only ask because uh, we talk a lot about how funny and light and uh, you know charming Superstar uh, Saga is, but I would just want to remind people of some of the serious writing and some of the really thought-provoking prose that goes on in here. I, I have a little excerpt. It's tiny. I'll read it for you real quick. Um, this is Fawful in the opening cutscene, And, uh, I mean, really take yourself back there because the emotional weight is incredible here. Uh, he says, uh, Princess Peach's sweet voice will soon be the bread that makes a sandwich of Cacoletta's desire. Uh, and then... And this battle shall be the delicious mustard on that bread. The mustard of your, of your doom. Yep, I remember. End quote. Uh, I, remember, I, I wasn't, I wasn't I, expecting a dramatic reading of Fawful's dialogue, but I'm glad we have this. <laughs> I remember mustard of your doom specifically because I, I, I played this game at the same time as one of my other friends uh, who, if anything, was more delighted by it than I even was. And she still quotes mustard of your doom at, at, at least, at least the, in recent years. Mustard of your doom is eternal. And mm-hmm. I really find fascinating Fawful's fascination with uh, condiments and such, because later uh, I believe he refers to Cacletta's plan as um, something like buttering the plan. I think when they capture Princess Peach, yeah, she will be the, the butter. Over the Bean Bean Kingdom. <laughs> That's what it is. Thank you. Um, yes. is, 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 no one, is no one going to point out the fact that Peach just said the mustard of your doom is eternal? <laughs> come, come on. That pun was just sitting there. <laughs> you did it. You did it just now. I, I didn't occur to me. This no. one game is really food themed. I mean, we, I mean, the princess is named Peach. The kingdom is named after beans. This is the same studio that did uh, Tomato Adventure. You got the Cola Cola. Yeah, there's there's just there's just a lot of food imagery in uh, I guess in the entire oeuvre of um, of Alpha Dream R.I.P. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, so we should. I, I do want to backpedal just a second to talk about tutorials again, but one. But I should mention yes, um, Alpha Dream, the company that made the Mario and Luigi games, unfortunately filed for bankruptcy last year um, after a string of less than successful releases, including uh, the 3DS remakes of this and Bowser's Inside Story. Which really sucks, because I think they were really talented developers, um, and I was kind of hoping to get to branch out beyond the Mario and Luigi series at some point, which, I mean... And this ties into my, the point I wanted to make about tutorials. Um, fans have been complaining um, about the stagnation of both Paper Mario and Mario and Luigi for several entries now. Um, one big problem that became um, apparent in Dream Team, although Dream Team is still, I think, a pretty good game, was... Dream Team is pretty good, but man, that game is like 45 hours when it should be 25, exactly. especially since it is, especially since the, uh, the, the four previous Mario & Luigi games are all uh, rather brisk compared to Dream Team. Yeah, Dream Team is too padded out, but also um, um, the, the, exact, the thing we were mentioning with the tutorials, Dream Team would, would bring those tutorials up and they did feel like roadblocks. They did feel yes. like interruptions. <laughs> Whereas this game does it a lot more eloquently. And one thing they did do to address that was make the, in the remakes, was to make the tutorials a little more optional. Instead of um, constantly stopping to explain mechanics to you, it gets added to a little guidebook that you can click on and read and practice the moves if you want to. Um, I think there was a move practicing option in the GBA version. I, I, was, I thought it was remarkable the way that this uh, 17-year-old game presented t- t- tutorials in a way that felt very 
elegant and smart because I'm I've played too many games where I feel burdened by tutorials and burdened by uh, by like explaining dialogue bubbles and stuff. But in uh, in this game, like every they just give you a, a short tutorial that's that is that's playable and tied in easily every time there's a new mechanic and then and then they sort of set it and forget it in a way that it felt remarkable to me yeah, <laughs> in 2020 when it shouldn't be this remarkable like this should be an, an oh this is a good tutorial and that's it but now it's like man i wish more tutorials were like this what a weird thought to have yeah but i do hope that um the mario and luigi series continues on in some form at some point um uh it's weird because um nintendo seems to have kind of a weird thing about um about doing original stuff with the Mario IP now. Um, they said as much in a recent interview about the, pa- the new Paper Mario Origami King. Um, and wh- which is unfortunate because some of the best things in Superstar Saga and Partners in Time and all those other games is the original characters, the sense of humor, and just kind of the, the willingness to play around with the established Mario formula. Like, I'm, I'm, like we, we all, we've already talked about uh, Fawful, Cacoletta, The Witch, um, the whole Bean Bean kingdom in general is just it's it's different but it fits in the mario universe like it's uh it's just it, 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 this makes sense as an addition to nintendo's ovra um I, I like it quite a bit and i i, I was I, I hope that we can get more of that at some point it's a personality that uh i think uh, has been lacking from some recent entries and and the, the personality of Mario RPGs has always been, I don't know, um, somewhat anarchic. Like like very, uh, you, I associate all of them with humor and uh, and really fun visual pieces, and really and a lot of like silliness in basic things like combat and puzzle solving. That is that is a good silliness and not a bad silliness. So like I, I thought that Superstar Saga felt. Uh, felt like it fit in alongside other good Mario RPGs and even it shares some staff with original Mario RPG. I mean, Yoko Shimomura did the music for both games. And yeah, yeah, I think the writing is a strength and it, and um, Mario RPGs had this really good tone and style to them for many, many years but they have fallen off a little bit. Like I, I, I think that uh, I, I, I never played Paper Jam or uh, the, or the later... It's, um, Paper Jam's easily the weakest link in the whole okay, series. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I heard. And and I haven't played at many of the later uh, Paper Mario games, but I believe the popular consensus is uh, like they they have not been good recently. Even though like even though they're they're still funny, they do, they don't strike the highs of the older ones, which is a little disappointing. And with Alpha Dream going bankrupt, it feels like it's like I don't know. It's maybe less likely rather than more likely that Mario and Luigi will return to will return strong again. I have this kind of. Um... I don't know. I have this thing where something about an older game that is in, in, even in some minor way unsurpassed by later games, even in the same series, I really get a kick out of it. I really in, enjoy that. That's the case. I like how even an older game can stand on its own. Um, even th- though there have been innovations and, and, and um, advancements, since it came out and i really feel like this is an example of that you don't have to worry so much uh about playing the later ones that you may think are weak you can just play this one and it's great if you never played one of these games before you can just play this and it's maybe nearish to the peak of the of the series and uh, you don't have to worry about getting overly frustrated because you may think that the newer games may have a uh, some you know some convenience or, or some innovation that you're missing out on yeah it's that that's an interesting way of looking at it for sure I mean, basically, retro games can be good. Yes, I agree. But, uh, but, but, but I, I think that the underlying point is that um, e- even though this was uh, early in the lifespan of Mario RPGs, it it holds up and is uh, and and even playing it in 2020 on the GBA, it's it's far from unplayable. It, like it's it's still it's still a good feeling game despite yeah. being 17 years old. Yeah, there are a couple of moments in this where I was like, I feel like I'm in Kingdom Hearts for a second because of how the music oh no one wants that no i i I was no i was happy with that like when um earlier on in the game um when bowser's stuck 
like when Bowser's stuck in the cannon, um, the music was playing and it sounded to me like Twilight Town. Um, and I, and that was kind of cool. I, it's, I mean, she's such a, uh, a diverse and brilliant composer, um, but she does have some ticks that it's fun to kind of pick up on that. Yeah. The music is a real strength. I mean, uh, like there, there, there's a part later on that we'll get to probably next episode. Yeah, definitely the next episode, but it's in a kind of beachy tropical area. And I was remarking at how much it took the edge off. Uh, here's a little spoiler of a, a minor thing, but I've, I've felt very frustrated at that, at that part of the game actually. Um, but the music really carried me a lot of the way there to finally get through it. And it's such a beautiful piece. And, and there are so many that are just as good. Shimamura has a way of that. Like even the most, some of the most frustrating parts of games she's composed. Um, looking at you, Hollow Bastion, have just such good music. That it's like, oh, this is nice. I'm enjoying the fact that this is frustrating. Um, but um, now, start. You're right, Detujo. Stardust Fields is such a bopper. <laughs> that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great one. It looks so pretty too. Like um, this is again me geeking out over the graphical updates in the remake. But I just love how detailed everything is. <laughs> It's very lively on the GBA version, too. It's, it's really pretty. For sure. What do we think of the jumping the border gag? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> it's, how, it's how immigration should be. I mean, I mean, as, I mean, I support decriminalization of all border crossings. And so, yeah, I think they did it well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought, it was, I thought it was amusing, although I think that border crossings should be, uh, you know, at least a little bit monitored nowadays because of a certain pandemic. But uh, in, in, it's in less general, about letting people in and more about making sure we don't leave. Yeah. Uh, I thought the border crossing was an amusing moment, but uh, uh, slightly more amused by the by basically the first boss of the game being an uh, an unpleasant border agent. I also appreciate oh uh, Tolstar. (laughs) Tolstar extorts you um, for currency, and then he's like, "Well, I have to match it to the current exchange rate." Guess what? You're broke. Um, uh, That's that's a funny joke. If a little bit like, oh, come on. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I actually, I played around with that because I wanted to see if the coins um, you collected would change at all. It doesn't. So I'm pretty sure he's talking, he's talking out of his butt. <laughs> oh, he just stole from you. He's, he's um, just, he's a much lamer version of Mr. Shakedown. Honestly, I was kind of hoping it was, it was going to be Wart at first when I first saw him, but uh, alas, poor Yorick. <laughs> Super Mario t- Bros. 2 gets no love. <laughs> Or Link's Awakening gets no love, except on this podcast where we did three episodes on it. <laughs> did eventually get get a gorgeous remake, but mm-hmm. that's neither here nor there. Um, after that, the Hoo Mountain area is pretty fun too. Then you get kind of uh, you get introduced to a couple more um, side characters from the game. Prince Peasley's another um, fan favorite of mine. The way he like flips his hair and the whole screen glows. He's freaking fabulous, man. Love him. <laughs> The rainbow flash of and the way he artfully flips his hair and cape is excellent. He's magnificent. I really love Peasley, and he's so good natured. Like you know, oh that all princes would be such. Mario games have an oddly uh, pop, uh, an oddly uh, optimistic view of monarchies. Uh, at least in Bean Bean and Mushroom Kingdom, it's there. There's uh, I don't, we don't need to give counter examples, but in in general, it is. Uh, I think that Queen Bean and Prince Peasley are. Are both are both amusing positive characters mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean the real question that we're we're asking and that we're dancing around is would they support you know the removal of all monarchies in the world is that something that we ask of mario and luigi probably not probably not their whole i'm pretty sure prince peasley would be just fine with it though as long as he could you know uh Get you know, go to go to the salon every week and everything. I'm sure he'd be fine. Yeah, he'll be happy. Just give him some hair products. Oh, he needs his he needs his fencing practice too, because that guy can fence. That guy's a swordsman. Unfortunately, Mario and Luigi's job is to uh, is to restore order, um, order to the monarchy every time. Yeah, they actually had to save the day by plumbing for once in this game, which was an amusing twist. Oh, that's one of the funniest parts of the game. Yeah, when you get to Bean Bean Castle and they have to literally fix the plumbing. <laughs> Um, so it turns I, out it was evil plumbing. I, I do have a word about this part. I think this was where I hit my first uh, stumble 
um, where I stopped playing for a while. <laughs> uh, it's like you got to fix seven plumbing problems, or I can't remember how many there, there was, but uh, I remember just the maze-like map. Almost, you know, I, I feel like a lot of the screens kind of look the same. I feel like it was maybe a little easy to get turned around, and. Um, it was a little bit of a sign of things to come for me because it was this thing where I was driven on by the hope of like the next interaction, the next uh, cutscene, the next dialogue. Um, but I felt like maybe this, they could have cut some of the fluff of this part. Uh, because I really did stop for a little bit at this part. Well, let's talk about let's talk about the world design for a little bit then, because I think that actually bears interesting. Um, it's interesting how different it is from the other Mario um, RPGs in a lot of ways, um, but also it, um, some of the stuff they carry over as well. Um, Mario and Luigi as a series in general tends to have kind of not quite a Zelda-esque overworld, but it's a top-down perspective. Um, you have multiple zones that kind of intersect and interconnect with each other, and you can unlock shortcuts, and as you get new powers, more zones become available to you. Almost metroid if that makes sense, but not like... It's, yeah, it, it's a little non-linear action exploration or whatever word you, whatever you want to substitute for metroid That was a good comparison. Um, yeah, I think Zelda's a good comparison. I, I don't, I don't know. I didn't think the dungeon navigation was that bad in this game. It's, it's, uh, it's not. It's nowhere near. The, the puzzles are very simple. I think um, it's basically a question of using your powers and applying them in in specific points. And the game, I, to its credit, I think the game does a really good job. Of the rule of threes, essentially, for puzzle design, where you get a simple one to introduce you to what you need to do. You get a slightly more complicated version of it that introduces a new variable, and you get a final version of it that um, requires you to put all your knowledge to the test. And they do one thing that I find very irritating about Zelda games sometimes. Um, well, no, I should say they do one thing better than Zelda that I find irritating about Zelda. And that uh, some Zelda items are used in just the dungeon that you get them, and then one puzzle for a heart piece later in the game, and are otherwise completely lost or forgotten. Uh, I'm, I'm, and uh, I'm sorry to attack your favorites, Peter, but I'm thinking of like the spinner in Twilight princess oh, you're not wrong <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and uh, also the ball and chain uh, in that same game but in in, in, Mar- in superstar saga you get uh, you learn some jump powers in stardust fields and then some ha- and then you get hammers and learn some ha- hammer powers in chucklehuck woods and then you get hand powers in the uh, in oho oasis and oho ocean and you basically can consistently use those three suites of two or four two to four abilities each for the entire game uh, like you're still using high jump and spin jump at, at the point where I am right now in Oho Ocean, and uh, which are and those are the abilities you get right at the beginning of the game. So, so I think that it's a pretty reasonable clip of puzzle solving progression that uh, that that sort of stays consistent and gets more complicated. And uh, and Pete. Um, I mean, I'm not sure where you are in the game right now, but I, I don't like you. You might be in for some ruder awakenings if you thought that the Bean Bean Castle puzzles were rough. I, I thought oh, that, I, I thought that that Woohoo Hooniversity, Hooniversity was a bit more of a slog than the Bean Bean Castle. It is. I've had those rude awakenings. Okay, um, all right. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're, a little bit, you're a little bit ahead of where I am. And I do agree with you certainly that because you have so uh, you have fewer verbs than in something like Zelda. Um, you know, what in Zelda would be an item, in Mario they're just like abilities and you have fewer so they do have more opportunity to use even the early ones and it is usually all very natural and um and it works you know the way you cycle through them on the gba using the shoulder buttons and everything is at the end you do end up with it seems like quite a lot of powers uh but it's it's not it's not that many it's all very manageable um it really it's between six and ten whether you call swinging your hammer like in a normal way a power or not <laughs> sure yeah i just i feel like um this was one of those situations uh that is a sign of many things to come many other scenarios to come in the game where it's like your objective is right there and then they put you through like a 45 minute dungeon and much of it there's usually not any dialogue or anything so much of it to me kind of felt like a little bit of busy work where um you know it's like it's right there (laughs) the the uh what were you doing in bb castle you're trying to free the queen or something right 
You're trying to restore power to the room where the Bean Star is kept. And, the Bean um, Star, that's right. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and uh, Cacletta is disguised as the Queen's attendant, but Correct. you don't know. You, but you don't know this yet. So you're going down to fix the plumbing to unlock the door to the Bean Star, and when you do so, uh, Cacletta and Falfel shed their costumes and say, "Ha ha! Now you now you are the I don't know catch up a failure or whatever they say." <laughs> and um, and uh, and then they they uh, they abscond with the Bean Star. Which continues the story along, and um, and uh, Queen Bean is the boss at the end of that phase because she's, she's like possessed been, or something. Yeah, she uh, she ate like some uh, some kind of bad tapeworm or something that turned her into a monster. Yeah, so and I, and that was the thing of like go down to this dungeon for nearly an hour, fix a plumbing, and like the door that's right next to the door you walked into the place, you know, like right next to the first room of the castle or whatever will open. And that kind of thing um, did just kind of rub me the wrong way. And it kind of happens a lot in this game. Um, but what I'm finding now that I'm in a rhythm with it again, even though I'm later on and some, there are more examples of that kind of frustration is the degree to which the humor and writing uh, really make up for it is like sometimes it feels almost like a superficial thing that shouldn't be powerful enough to make up for those kinds of frustrations that I'm experiencing, but it, it it truly is all worth it when you go through and you have an interaction, uh, you know, after you defeat the queen in this case, and you get to listen to Cacleta and Fawful and, and you, and then you talk to everyone around being, being castle. It's all very nice. There's, there's humor and there's fun there. So it did make it worth it. Maybe maybe it's just because I'm lightly dead inside, but it's a but it it's kind of like nothing in this game has felt onerous to me. Like there, I felt like minor annoyances and such, but nothing that is like that's it. I'm done. I'm out of here. I, I guess it's just kind of the writing isn't really hitting me, and, and maybe it'll kind of. I'm hoping that'll kind of. Uh, I'll enjoy it more as I go on, but it's. I found myself not really having a whole lot to say in general about the game so far. Um, whereas, and I'm like, and I'm decently into part the, I guess the third part of it. I'm probably pretty close to where Solosi is, and so it's like, uh, I, I know it, it's it's a bit of a difficult game because I tend to have a lot of thoughts and I don't <laughs> I think I, I think that's valid in terms of like it's not a particularly deep story I mean it's Mario Mar- it's it's a it's a video it's a parody video game of other RPGs that kind of that draws on the Mario universe and plays with it in some fun ways um and it's not necessarily like super deep or insightful or like avant-garde or anything but um i do think it uh but i I think it has merit and i find it enjoyable i can i can definitely see like if you were looking for something a little more because i mean thousand year door for example just to like pull in another mario rpg that everyone really likes thousand year door has like a lot of surprisingly um dark moments for a mario game um that opening that opening area is like like a dangerous crime town or something. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's that's like the flip side of the coin almost from Superstar Saga, where Superstar Saga is very light, very colorful, always tongue in cheek, um, and I appreciate that and I enjoy that. And the Mario and Luigi games, like I mean, they only get sillier. Bowser's Inside Story is literally like Osmosis Jones, but with Mario. It, it's it's Osmosis Jones if it also had kaiju battles, and it, it introduces like uh, those global characters that might be even sillier than Fawful. Yeah, as I was gonna say, the, the hemoglobins are like yeah. some of my favorite things in all of gaming. Um, yeah, see, I was thinking of uh, of Magic School Bus, but Osmosis Jones is good. Ah, uh, rip. Um, oh, wait, wait, if you, I mean, oh, yeah, Magic, Magic School Bus, the author for that recently passed away. And I, I mean, you could also say uh, Fantastic Voyage. It was uh, if you want to go real old school about it. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, Joe, I don't think that's um. 
I, I think that's a that's a reasonable take to have, like if you're not like feeling it like right out of the gate. Um, I mean, between those three different viewpoints, I'm probably closest to agreeing with Peter. I I, I welcome puzzly RPGs. If anything, I think that we're that RPGs of the 2010s have moved too far away from including puzzles. I because missed, I'm sorry to interrupt, Mike, but I miss dungeons in in yeah let, games. yeah yeah dungeons and puzzles are an endemic part of RPGs to me and a game that sort of delights in weird puzzles uh, is some is fun to me and um, I don't know I, again I'm I'm only a little bit past that halfway point I think I'm around I think Joe and I are probably within 20 minutes of each other gameplay wise uh, but I, I haven't found any of the navigation stuff to be that challenging or annoying it, it, everything e- either just requires a little bit more experimentation or exploration or if you maybe you notice a hidden treasure on the field like oh okay I can't smash this rock yet I'll come back later going back to those to you know light metrovania elements or light Zelda elements yeah. and this this isn't a huge world but it is densely pretty densely packed with stuff and there's fast travel between I don't know 10 or 12 pipes which is which is fast been, travel is a godsend yeah, and but in, in general and, and I mean, Peter mentioned that he played this game in a, in a single twelve-hour session once. This is a fifteen to twenty-hour game, typically. So I think that it, it's a pretty breezy RPG. And um, and around the time you're starting to get tired of it or it wears out its welcome, at least in, in my feeling, uh, it's almost over. So it's I, I'm having again. I played this once fifteen years ago, and now I'm sort of either remembering or half remembering things. And so it, it's like some. some some things come as a surprise, but most of the things, most of them don't. I still think that it's consistently funny, and it, uh, and even though it's it's trying to be funny, like it, like it, it's got jokes. It's not, it's not, it doesn't exist and be funny like the like a like a brilliant comic comic act, actor or something. But uh, like this game is amusing and is one of the funnier RPGs I've played, and and does so in a in a way that is enjoyable. It, it doesn't have the dark or profound moments it, that uh, that Thousand Year Door has, which I think is probably still my favorite Mario RPG. I mean, that, that game like, you saw someone turn off a computer in that game and, and tears came to your eyes. Um, but uh, but uh, Superstar Saga is sort of breezy and funny and somewhat dense with mechanics for a GBA game, and I think it's successful in all fronts. I, I, on the GBA episode a month or two ago, I thought it was one of the best GBA, GBA games full stop, and I stand by it. I I, I, I'm going to make a terrible analogy here. Uh, th- th- oh, I love terrible analogies. Like I, I, we, we were doing sports and analogies to characters and tactics ogre a few weeks ago, Joe. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> thousand, thousand Year Door is like a tall, um, savory glass of Pinot Noir. Uh, Superstar Saga is like a six pack of White Claws. <laughs> I'm offended by that analogy. <laughs> Um, See, uh, I, I, point, I point you once again to the uh, incredible prose I quoted earlier. Superstar Saga and defy you. Superstar Saga is like a mustard. Uh, is like is like the mustard of your doom, and um, <laughs> and uh, your door is like the a, butter on bean bean A five star cuisine um, featuring uh, buttered beans. Mm. There's. Okay. For me, for me, the move, the the game feels like a, and and this is like not to detract from anyone else's experience, of course. Um, it's it, it feels like a six out of ten movie, where it's like which that that probably sounds quite uh what's the word reductive of it, um, but it's like. I don't know. I, I don't really. There, there have been there have been games where they've had certain mechanics that I'm like, I could I could write I could write a book on how much I hate the crafting system in the crafting system or the block puzzles in Vagrant Story. Um, and yet, I'm a very I'm a very like, big fan of that game. Um, I really love that game, and and so it it kind of has. I, I tend to, I guess, gravitate more towards things that have more peaks and valleys. And this just, it, it just feels pleasant to me. And, um, and I guess I, I don't, I guess I don't do well with pleasant. <laughs> I mean, I, I use the verb, I'm sorry, I use the adjective breezy earlier. And I think that's consistent. Right. 
Like this is a breezy game and none of the, none of the themes or story challenges you uh, mentally or emotionally, but I don't know about you. I can write 10,000 words on Mario hitting Luigi with a hammer, burying Luigi underground, then Luigi digging underground, jumping up into a barrel, Mario jumping on the barrel to hit a switch with his hammer, standing on top of the barrel Luigi. Like, I, like <laughs> the, that's the, all, that's all stuff I love. And, I, and love it, I agree. It is. Sorry, Mike. Visual set pieces in the puzzle solving and in combat. Like I think, the, uh, like watching Bros attacks uh, play out is almost always amusing. Uh, is is part of the fun of it? And uh, the, like this is a silly breezy RPG that is mostly save the princess, find five MacGuffins, uh, and then end game, which we'll talk about in the next episode. But, like I, I don't know. I, I really enjoy this game, but I accept that it is not subversive or darker or challenging narratively i i will i will say regarding the the combat um i what didn't think i would feel this way but at this point i have to be honest and i am very conflicted about the combat i feel like the combat simultaneously buoys this game up and drags it down it's wild uh, it's really creative it's it's often there's often a lot of humor built into it uh it's it's really fun at first i and again it's probably just my stage in life you know like i'm trying to get through games i really don't have that much time even in lockdown um i got a family and stuff like i don't have that much time so that might play into it i might just be the old man here so i apologize and do reiterate that this is a great game but i felt the combat was like a touch too frequent for me even though you can avoid many account encounters i personally failed to avoid just beyond the threshold of what i was cool with (laughs) and so uh and and the thing is also is it is very much a mindset thing because when i'm in like let's say a more receptive mood and I'm just giving myself over to the moment (laughs) when I play this and I'm engaging with the combat and not trying to rush through it. Or I, I, for like for a while I had zero coins because I was trying to run away from everything. I was so frustrated and not frustrated with the difficulty. I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to fight. I needed to get to where I was going. Um, I, uh, it's kind of a thing with RPGs in general is like, um, and I I totally, totally problem. Now when I was a kid, I would run away from every fight because I wanted, to get where I was going. Now I am like a compulsive grinder and I like I, I want to like this is this is this is this is why it, it takes me long longer than normal to beat Dragon Quest games, Mike, because um I have to grind so I can buy every single piece of new equipment in every town. Like my best friend is playing Dragon Quest eleven right now. He has not gotten through the end of Act One, but he's been playing it for forty five hours because he's trying to craft every single item you can craft. Yes. And I, I and, and I keep telling him I keep telling him like I know you you think you have to do this, but I promise you you don't. And then he responds, "No, I have to do this." And it and then I roll my eyes and that's a version of, of conversations we've had for he and I have had for uh yeah. 25 years. But uh, but, but in, in general, I uh I, I, I find it frustrating going back to games that have random encounters because I, I, I value my time more now that I'm in my 30s than I did when I was in my 20s or teens or goodness gracious, I didn't value time at all when I was eight and playing and playing RPG, getting into RPGs for the first time. But I, I mean, I mean, maybe it's maybe I'm just more used to this kind of game than Pete is because when I felt a little bit fatigued from too much combat, I was able to avoid it for the most part or even run away from combat. You get pride in Bean Bean Town if you run away from enough fights. <laughs> so, oh, like... Uh, I, I will reiterate, that, or I will make sure to make it clear that it is a bit of an attitude adjustment that I experienced even in this this latest session when I just played the game like like yesterday or whatever. Um, where I When I started off that session, that like 45-minute session or whatever, I was trying to run away from stuff with varying degrees of success. But after about 15 minutes, I just... I just surrendered myself to the combat and had a killer time and I loved it. So that's why I'm so feel so weird about the combat and why I feel it simultaneously 
favors the game and uh, detracts from it, uh, in my experience. I think sometimes you just you just don't vibe with something. I mean, I, I haven't beaten a single Tales of game because the combat system reminds me too much of fighting games, and I'm terrible at fighting games. Like, I love fighting games, and that's how I got into t- the Tales of series. Yeah, right? And it's like there's <laughs> other things about, this, about those series that appeals to me, but there is a, a certain level of resistance because I don't 100% gel with the combat. So no, I, t- I think... I think your perspective on that is 100% valid. Um, for me, personally, I like the combat in the Mario and Luigi games, although I, I, I actually do have a minor... This is not a gripe with the game itself, but a gripe personally. Timing mechanics in RPGs actually do tend to annoy me quite a bit. Um, I should probably take this opportunity to explain how the combat in Mario and Luigi works. It's been... The combat is almost the same in every RPG-style Mario game. Uh, Mario RPG. The same. Um, press the yes. button right before you land a hit in order to do extra damage. Um, what Mario and Luigi does that's quite clever, um, and this is something that carries over to navigation as well, which I wanted to touch on. Um, Mario is controlled with the A button, and Luigi is controlled with the B button. Um, the brothers move as a unit, um, and you can switch their positions around in order to do different things. Um, as you unlock more powers, you get more verbs, which you can use to explore the world and in battle. So it's very... um it's all very meshed together very nicely. Um, yeah, it, it, it's way more elegantly presented in the GBA version because in the GBA version, it's you switch with the start button and then the uh, you switch sort of who is holding what with the L and R buttons in a way that uh, that sort of makes it makes the five buttons L R A B start sort of interact very smartly together. In the- but in the in the 3D version, you basically just scroll between different abilities with L and R. And or, or or choose them from a touch screen, and it does the positional switching and and whatnot for you. Yeah, and which while, yeah, and while I agree that that's a little easier, it's like it does lose just a little bit of the personality from the Game Boy Advance version. Yeah, yeah, it, it's more elegant in the Game Boy Advance version. This way, it feels like uh, it's almost like the opposite of of uh, Link's Awakening and its remake. In the in GBA, I'm sorry, in a, in Game Boy Link's Awakening, it's annoying going to the menu to switch items all the time, and in the remake, you give you have more buttons to equip items to so it's way faster and more elegant. In this one, you uh, go into the menus more and switch on the field less, so, so it feels, even though it's slightly smoother sometimes, it doesn't feel as good. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's just one of the weird things about remaking games like this. For the most part, the Superstar Saga remake is very, very faithful to the original. But um, it's just a couple little minor chinks in the armor that um, versus the original game that I think that there's some things that they fixed that I appreciate. Like um, you don't lose coins when you run away now. You just in, you just flee. That's nice. I don't like wasting coins. In fact, I have more coins than. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, they they changed the combat system ever so slightly to line up with the more recent Mario and Luigi games. So now you do the double jump in battle where you press A once and then you press A again to do a follow up attack with more damage. Um, they do add a in the 3DS version a feature that um, no matter what you're equipped with on the field, pressing X is a simultaneous jump, yes, which is just which, which is very handy. Yeah, I, I welcome that. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, a hundred percent. So there's a lot of quality of life improvements in the 3DS version that I do genuinely love and agree with. Um, but I, I, again, the original just had a certain charm about it that I like. Um, but moving on back into combat, um, we've talked a lot about the combat. But Joe, I did want to get your thoughts on it as well. Are you enjoying uh, the combat system? Uh, <laughs> it's I I do enjoy. Some of it, it's like, like I was saying, I'm just having difficulty with just it's okay. think, thinking of things for this. It's just like it's fine. I like some of the. I like some of the. What's that? I'm sorry. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I just want to make no, sure. No, I, no. I appreciate. I appreciate that. It's it's got a um the sort of the sort of um, rhythm that you keep with it is kind of fun reminds me a bit of well even though Mother 3 came later um, it reminds me of that because I played it recently Um, and some of the bros attacks are uh, are charming but it it works (laughs) 
<laughs> One piece of advice I have, maybe you don't need this advice, is uh, don't hoard items and use bros attacks often because there are, mm-hmm. are item rest- uh, like um, bro- BP restoring blocks pretty frequent and, is, and uh, syrup items for restoring your BP are not uncommon. So battles will go by faster and you'll have more fun with special attacks if you use bros attacks all the time. Sometimes I see sometimes you get into a hoarder mentality where you shouldn't spend MP, you shouldn't use items in, in an RPG, so you use regular attacks or free attacks often, mm-hmm. and I think that makes combat way more boring. Like uh, I've I've gotten better at this as I've gotten older. Just spend your damn MP or BP, as it were, because like battles will go by faster, and you'll have more fun, and you'll still have enough items to mess around. I, I think what kind of disappoints me with this is that. In different, you know, like in Paper Mario, you get different partners um, that would that would be in combat with you. And when it's just, even though this is a shorter game, when it's just Mario and Luigi, um, I'm like, uh, because there, there's only two people in your party essentially. And I think from other from other RPGs, it just seems to be a bit of a step down, and is just kind of focusing on two characters that. I've played a lot of their games, but I don't, I don't really have much of an affinity uh, necessarily towards. Like if there were, um, if there was like a, a playable toad in the game or a, uh, a shy guy or, or something, you know, if there were other. They should uh, bring back Gino is what you're saying. I might be saying that. Yeah. Like if they had Gino, Mal- Gino Mallow, like, I mean, if you have. If if there were kind of more characters, I think I would be more uh, more endeared to the system. But it's just like, yep, they're this is Mario and this is Luigi. They use hammers and they use their feet. Joe, do you know about the Geno cameo? In this game? Yeah. I have heard about it, yes. Yeah, so that was what Mike was referring to, is that in the yeah. Game Boy Advance original, there is a reference to Gino, um, the puppet character from Mario RPG. Um, and it's a minigame. Um, it's a blink-and-you'll-miss-it cameo, but um, it's only in the Game Boy Advance version. The 3DS version cuts it. It's rights issues with Square or whatever, but um, it's sad. I like that. It was cute. In, in, the, in the credits to it, they do credit the character of Gino as being a property of Square. And I, 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 and, uh, so it, it, it didn't seem like a, like, a, like a complicated rights discussion. Maybe they just asked and they said yes in 2003 and no in 2017. They were, they were making nice with Square in 2003 um, with that with the release of Crystal Chronicles and all those Game Boy Advance ports. So I'm guessing they, it probably might have been a little easier to be like, hey, can we can we borrow that for a second? Um, but then again, they also put Geno costumes into Smash Ultimate. So what do I know? I don't know anything. And speaking of mini games, this game consistently rolls one at you, like uh, if not every hour, every few hours. And uh, and in the in the sort of larger bean collecting side quest, there is one variety of bean that you only get from mini games. So indulging in them is is uh, is useful for you know getting uh, higher end accessories series and uh, and stat up items but yeah I, I don't know if i need all of these mini games like e- even from the, the the jump rope one at the very beginning of the game in stardust fields it's like it's like do i really want to take this one up to the, the highest level because i don't know i got I, I have podcasts about tactics ogre and mario to to record yeah you definitely don't need to do them all but grinding for beans is it, um, to make different coffees with uh yeti gads cafe is fun if only for the cutscenes you unlock and uh, yeah, Luigi's Mansion is one of my favorite games, so I'm just glad that uh, Gad gets more time. The individual uh, audio for different characters is uh, is really amusing. Um, but both the the pseudo Italian nonsense that the brother that the brothers say, and like the little vocal cues from Fawful and Egad, there it's 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 very it's not fully voiced, not even remotely close to it. But just the I don't know. I thought the vocal cues were really cute in this game. If um yeah yeah definitely. Um, if, um, if you, if Joe or Pete, if you guys end up playing more of the Mario and Luigi games, um, I would recommend Bowser's Inside Story next because I've had my eye on that one for a long time. Partners in Time is not as good as Bowser's Inside Story, but Mario saying babies is pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) Partners in Time has some Uh, funny scenes, but Fawful graduates to main antagonist in Bowser's Inside Story and, oh, oh, my son. That's delicious. Uh, I... I'm I I'm kind of with uh, Joe um, 
in the sense that um like i didn't really have much affinity i play like i play and enjoy mario games uh, before but i didn't have like much affinity for the characters but that personality that you spoke of and those italianisms kind of you know vocal things and their expressions and and the the way that they move when they speak actually won me over big time for these for these guys um i i I did feel a much bigger connection to them for that reason it's just you know very funny and charming and, and sweet talked quite a bit about our first impressions on Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga first re-impressions in mine and Mike's case. I think it's definitely one of those games that some of us have fond memories of and some of us are are playing for the first time and kind of being like, well I don't know what I expected but I'm still disappointed. I'm just messing. Um, <laughs> um, but um, what do we think um, for the podcast part two we're going to play up till the end of the game um, and I know that, um, oh I think all three of you are actually further than I am on this playthrough because I just finished Wu University. Um, like, I'm, I'm maybe 45 minutes past you or something. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that much further ahead. But um, what what do we, what do we expect um, from the game going forward? Is there anything we're hoping to see going forward? Um, start. Let's going around. I'm going to start with uh, with you, Solosi. Um, right now, I, I, again, I mentioned at the beginning. I'm sort of half remembering this game as I play it, and I think that is going to basically continue. But I am I, I, like I. I want to see how the boss battles are in, in the second half of the game. Cause I remember what the final battle is and some, uh, and, but I don't remember. And I remember sort of the order of events, the story takes, but I don't remember a lot of specific enemies or boss fights. So I want to, I'm looking forward to rediscovering them again, one by one. Cause some of them were really fun. Like I, like I loved fighting a sentient bottle of evil soda that gets stronger. If you tell it jokes <laughs> and, um, and, and, and Bowser's role as the amnesiac rookie is, is, is an amusing bit of dialogue that I enjoy continuing to see. So yeah, I, again, I don't remember everything about this game perfectly. I, I beat it once more than 15 years ago. And I, what I'm, I'm looking forward to the rediscovery of all the things I've forgotten. Yeah, for sure. Um, what, what about you, Joe? I'm uh, I'm hoping that I am more uh, affectionate towards this game as it winds to the end of it. Uh, I know th- there are certain things about it that I just know that I'm not going to get. Like I'm not going to get more playable characters and like. There are certain things that I would ask of this game for it to be, for that, for it to be something that I'd really love that it's just not going to do, um, and so I have to. So I'm just going to kind of make my peace with that and try to enjoy it for what it is rather than my expectations of what I'd want it to be, like a parent. <laughs> <laughs> That's a that's that's a wonderful analogy. Poignant. I do I do hope that you find something to enjoy about it, Joe. Because I mean, I I mean, just speaking as a fan of the game, I, I have a lot of affection for it, and I like spreading the love. But um, I I would I'll be very curious to hear what you think of the latter half of the game. Um, and what what about you, Pete? What uh what have you got for us? Well, right now, I think I'm in the third act. All right. Um, so some I see some uh, I've seen some of the, of the things that are coming. There's some really great things. Um, I, I unfortunately, even from where I am, I expect to be a little miffed by the by some of the fetch quest stuff for the MacGuffins, but I expect to really enjoy the last bit uh the last boss fight i hope is very funny and and fun um so that's that's kind of what i expect uh but there's some there's some stuff coming up that i just passed that i would never have predicted at this point that's pretty good so i i think i know what you're talking about and i'm looking forward to discussing it next time on retro encounter um so just to do a little bit of housekeeping real quick um next week we can expect more mario and luigi so you can hear the follow-up to this discussion um uh, later this month, we are doing our 250th episode and a new quiz show. Um, uh, coming in September, um, we're doing a game journal on Persona 2, Innocent Sin. 
um, I think. Um, uh, Joe, are you going to be on that one? I am. All right. It's going to be exciting. Um, uh, Persona 2 is like the literally the redheaded stepchild of the Persona franchise. But um, it's also... Like, Okay, oh yeah, he Tatsuya does have red hair. Yes, I understand. That was a joke. Yes, <laughs> I, I I did not understand it first. Um, it's it's a great it's a great game and often overlooked, unfortunately, by um modern by modern Persona fans. So I am looking forward to listening to that episode, um, and learning what all the hype is about. I am not going to be on those episodes. I I think I've been on too many in a row. But uh, I did play Innocent Sin a few years ago, not not for the podcast on, on my own time, and really really liked it. It's a uh, it's it's dark, weird, and interesting, and is a sort of a different time for Atlas than the uh, you know like like the big fan favorite they are nowadays. So I am I'm very interested in hearing Joe's and the other panelists' thoughts when they record those episodes. Absolutely. Um, and like we said earlier, if you want to get in touch with us with questions for the 250 episode or just general inquiries, reach out to retro at RPGfan.com. Um, there are all kinds of ways you can interact with us. Um, you can uh, visit our Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Discord. Uh, we do Twitch streaming every day. Um, you can listen to more podcasts like Random Encounter, Rhythm Encounter. It's happening we promise and um our buddies over at phoenix edge um review us on itunes google play wherever you listen to podcasts um we really do appreciate your feedback and it helps us it helps us be a better show and it helps spread spread the word around um uh, as far as social media goes, if you want to find me, you can reach out um, at I Have Fury on Twitter. Um, um, I'm also available Peter T at RPGFan.com. Um, Mike, where can we reach you? Uh, the easiest way to find me is on Twitter. I am at the Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs at other times, and in RPG Fans Discord, I am Monsoon Mike. Uh, what about you, Joe? So you can find me at um, on RPG Fan social media accounts. I'm uh, one of our social media people, and you can also find me personally on Twitter, uh, Discord, and Instagram as at Eva Least. All right, and what about you, Pete? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Pete Barbero One. That's a numeral one. Uh, you can. Um, find me maybe on instagram at regulation gaming and you can uh find me on twitch doing uh new and old and various degrees of niche uh pc game streaming uh and i'm getting set up to do some retro console games here pretty soon too at um twitch.tv slash rg halfpenny um yeah that's it all right awesome um well it's been a lovely time here on retro encounter and we'll see you next time with more mario and luigi good night and good luck and enjoy the mustard of your doom